0: You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.
1: On this podcast of Cornfield Theology, we talk about the intersection of faith and government. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, back at you with another edition of Cornfield Theology. Thank you for taking interest in this particular podcast. Cornfield Theology is a resource engaging theology and culture. Our goal is to produce meaningful content that is biblical, relevant, and fosters ongoing discussion. You can check out our blogs with the voice blogs. You get to hear my voice. I can speak to you as you read the blog. Uh, We also have previous podcasts and other trusted resources at cornfieldtheology.com. If you would like share and give five stars in Apple Podcasts, please do. Also on YouTube, there's like a thousand things you can do on YouTube. You got to like hit the bell icon. You got to like. You got to subscribe. You got to, you know, sell your first child. I don't know. YouTube has a ridiculous amount of things for you to do, but please do all that. Don't sell your first child. Um, and if you want to immediately receive content from CornfieldTheology.com, go to the website. Go to the bottom of the page. Put your email in, and as soon as something drops, you will get it in your email inbox. All right, everyone. I am really excited about today's conversation. There's some good people that I'm gonna be talking to about what I just shared, this intersection of faith and government. Some people might wanna say religion and politics. You can mm-hmm. interchange those words. And uh, who I have with me today is Greg Baker. And Leo, Leo, I'm not gonna pronounce your last name. Could you do that for me?
0: Yes, definitely, Lazarini.
1: Okay, that's why I didn't pronounce it. And so these guys were a part of the Family Leader. And uh, Family Leader is an organization that I got involved in, oh man, seems like, okay, we have COVID, so, like, time's messed up. Seems like two and a half years ago.
2: Yeah, but it feels like 10 years ago. It does, right? Yes. Like it. COVID <laughs> just
1: messed up everyone's sense of time. So, right. so Greg, could you introduce yourself, and then in Leo, introduce yourself. Um, Talk about your faith journey. I, I love it when um our, my guests can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And then talk about how you got involved with the family leader.
2: Right. Yeah, so, Greg Baker um, grew up in a small town called Earlham, Iowa. Earlham. Uh, hey, you're just west of me, man. I'm yeah, yeah. Adele. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So town about twelve hundred people growing, which is a highlight in rural Iowa. You're always glad when you're growing. Yes, that's right. And um, yeah, didn't uh, go to church very often growing up. Had very little of a a faith background. Uh, We would call ourselves Lutheran, but I couldn't even tell you what that meant. Right, right. And um, went to college, University of Iowa. Yeah, moved to a typical U of I life.
1: Go Hawks. Go Hawks, all right. yes. I'm mean, an Eastern Iowa boy, which means you're like forced to be a Hawkeye fan.
2: That's right. Yeah. I paid the money to be a Hawkeye fan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 studied uh, history, political science there. Um, awesome. Was hoping to be a history teacher, and God put me on a different path. Oh, wow. Well. But after college, uh, I was 23. Um, all my friends moved all around the country. I moved here to Des Moines, Iowa, and really went through an identity crisis in that time. I was working on a governor's campaign. Okay. And uh, the economy just hit low, so the state went through a 10% across the board cuts and then the school districts Mm. were hiring. And uh, all my friend groups that I used to just hang out with, that would kind of numb me from my pain, uh, weren't here. So I put an 80 to 90 hour weeks But I was still left with a lot of free time for thought. Yeah, yeah. And this would be the first time I really thought about God in my life. I Mm. wasn't, I would have called myself agnostic before. I wasn't hostile. I just didn't care.
1: In your 20s at this point.
2: In the 20s, yep. And then even leading up to that. So this year, I I started going through depression. And uh, there's a gal in the campaign who lost her brother to cancer at the age of 28 years old. And this had a huge impact on me because this family was... Praising God in this crisis, and the only thing I can think of is what cruel God mm. would kill our brother?
1: yeah
2: what cruel God would allow this? So I was angry, and I went to his funeral It's at a church called Sailorville Church, north into town. yeah yeah and that's by the first time in my life I really heard the gospel mm-hmm. and I just really being moved at that service and I said, God, if you're real, reveal yourself mm. to me, reveal yourself to yeah. me. And over those next few months, he did. He started putting people, his people, in my life. Uh, one of them would later become my wife. Ashley was a new Christian, and I didn't know in the world that meant. I'm like, well, was she Muslim before? Like, what yeah, does that right, mean? Right, right. And I uh, went out for lunch with her. She's a Drake University student. I'm like, how in the world <laughs> can someone so smart believe in so many dumb things like evolution or the, yeah. and creation instead of evolution? And Ashley was so gracious. She yeah. introduced me to... Pastor Terry Amy's a pastor here in town. And uh, yeah. Terry would be the one that ended up leading me to the Lord, really mm. broke down the gospel with me. And Amen. God was just doing a huge work in my life. I remember when he left me a gospel track after our conversation. I bet you I read that track a hundred times, just over and over and over again. So on April 18, 2010, I surrendered, gave my life to Christ, been a member at Walnut Creek Church ever since. Mm left the political world completely thinking i'd never go back i had right, no clue right. what i believed anymore about anything and after about a year and a half of being out of the political world um, the guy who's governor's race i worked on bob Vanderplots. he became ceo here yeah so he asked me to join on here at the family leader so i've been here a little more than 10 years now
1: okay wow yeah that's it's, fantastic and praise it's crazy god, to believe and praise god for faithful yeah. pastors to just sit down with you and say, Here's the gospel. Yeah. And just walk, I'm sure patiently too, right? Just
2: Oh, he was so patient. I had this guy named John Crane. John Crane's so dear to my life. He met up with me for a year. He'd help me read the Bible, get in the Word, pray. Mm. That year I wasn't in politics. I had a job that's pretty solid eight to five every day. Yeah. So it'd never go earlier and never go later. And I really needed that in my life. And I, what I love about Walnut Creek Church is it's got a, Huge culture of discipleship. Yeah. I think, but where would I be if I didn't have Pastor Terry faithfully pouring the Word, and if I didn't have John disciple me? Yeah, um, it's I owe a huge lot of to them, which is this God working there, and um, just a lot of my life have been trying to mirror what I learned from them.
1: Yeah, one more question on your bio, then we'll ask Leo to introduce himself. Uh, how did you get involved with the Family Leader?
2: Yeah, so I never even heard of them prior to Bob Vanderplatz being CEO. Okay. I met him um, in college when he ran for governor, took a job here in Des Moines in his campaign. And, okay. and when he became CEO, he asked me to come on board. Okay. Oh,
1: great. That's so the awesome.
2: first month I've heard about him, I ended up getting hired by them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. And Leo, oh, a um, little bit of your faith journey, then how did you get involved with the family leader?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, well, I grew up in Brazil, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. Uh, grew up going to church with my mom uh, every Sunday. We would go to church on Sunday nights, um, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I, I really went out of just fear of a uh, higher being. My mom would always uh, say that uh, we are accountable to a God, and yeah. every Sunday she would say, "It's your choice to go to church, but there's a God that He cares, and uh, yeah. you have uh, you own that relationship with Him." She never walked me through details on the gospel, but with her with the faith that she had. And she was able to explain, she did. And it took me a while back home um, to really understand the gospel a little more in depth. Uh, It wasn't until college when I came to college to the US, um, came to high school first, graduated, then I went to college here, uh, business school. And uh, in college, I met friends from all over the world, um, friends that had different religions, different world beliefs. uh, And I began to question, what do I believe? I would yeah. say I'm a Christian because I went to church every Sunday with my right, mom, right. but I wouldn't explain I wouldn't be able to explain why, mm. and I wasn't really firm if what I said was true if Christianity was actually real. so in in college, um, uh, I met a friend from Trinidad and Tobago, became roommates later, but he was the first person that began to explain the gospel to me. and uh, through the fellowship, we looked for a church in college uh, together. And then we got connected to Alna Creek Church as well. That's how I, I know Greg. Okay. And after meeting a few a few guys uh, at the church, they began to build a friendship with both of us. Oh, wow. Through those conversations and uh, they, them coming to campus and hanging out with us, playing games with college students, uh, and, and then diving into conversations about the gospel, that's when I began to understand uh, who Christ was And how, like what that implied to my life. Yeah. And uh, during college, I read a book, More Than a Carpenter. That was a helpful book that helped me to understand that what I believed was actually true was history. Um, God actually is real. Uh, So I began to take a little uh, more steps into my faith. And um, so in college, a lot of things changed. Um, When I graduated from college, I had a a great desire to serve. Uh, I still didn't know how, where, when. We had a Bible study on campus and I was going to church on the weekends just trying to uh, love people and um, get to know them and share the gospel with them, Learning how to do yeah. that even, how yeah. to walk even in my own faith, learn how to pray. Um, then I went back home to Brazil for about two years, served at a local church back home, still learning more about the Christian faith. And, um, and then 2018, my wife and I moved back to the to the U.S. And at this time, I decided to go to seminary for more training yeah. and then also tuck myself into the leadership of the church again so I could learn from our pastors on how to uh, do ministry, how to serve. Mm. So I'm, I'm back at Warner Creek Church um, under their leadership and then going to seminary um, to receive more training. And during that time, that's when I, I reconnected with Greg. Yeah. We were part of the same uh, community group before. Yep. yep. We we're accountability partners. Oh, uh, awesome. Great friends, and uh, and then when I came back, I was looking for an opportunity to do ministry alongside seminary as an internship. So uh, there's an opportunity here to to work part time uh, at the at the family leader. Um, I I never have had an interest of government before. Yeah. Sure. I found the topic very divisive, and. Uh, which it can be. Yeah, it can be. It can be very <laughs> desirable. <decisions, laughs> yes. Uh, and I always avoided conflict as much as I could. Yeah. I learned that with the gospel, you can't avoid all the yeah. conflicts in the world. Because yeah. if you live with the gospel, you're always going to confront people right. with the truth. But, um, but I just decided not to engage government at all. But then uh, when Greg offered that opportunity, and, and then working here with Greg, I began to understand more of God's design for that just beautiful institution mm-hmm. that he created with a purpose with a design that has been broken because of sin but but he still has a design and purpose that he wants to to yeah. use and, and fulfill uh, so I began reading scripture and seeing more of government more right. of right. his design for government throughout the scripture Yeah, right prophets yep. uh, the Kings and then Paul Caesar and that began to stand out to me a lot so begin to dive more into the, the work here the family leader and, and growing passion for that. So, Yeah,
1: two things that stand out in your guys' testimony that are really um, impactful and important. Uh, the power of the gospel to save, you know, Romans 1, 16, 17 yeah. in your life, and two, the importance of the local church. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. So many times one of those seems to be missing, you know, yeah, in a person so who true. may s- profess to be a Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. And those two things are critical for the life of the Christian. And to hear that as part of your testimony, to hear about men in the local church shepherding you and caring for you mm-hmm. and walking alongside right. you is so important. So mm-hmm. I've never been to Walnut Creek Church, but it sounds like a place that I would just love mm-hmm. because of what you're telling me. Oh. So the importance of the gospel and the power of, and the importance of the local church to come alongside. So, right. all right, family leader, Greg, that's where we're here to talk about this intersection of you, know, you guys are men of faith, men of God, but also this reality of politics. Oh, you already mm-hmm. mentioned like Woven throughout scripture are political structures, and we know we can go to Daniel and say God is sovereign over all things. Yet we have these realities we need to contend with, Mm -hmm. and there are matters that government takes on that God cares about. And we we want to think well as Christians as these two areas converge. So give the elevator speech, Greg, on what is the family leader, and why does the family leader exist? Why is it here?
2: Yeah, so the Family Leader is a Christian ministry that works where government and the church intersect. Yeah. And its history is founded in focus on the family. Okay. So James Dobson okay. started focus in the nineteen seventies. Later through the years started to develop what they call family policy councils. Yes. Okay. And that's what we are here in Iowa, one of forty-two family policy councils in the United States. And a lot of it was originally designed to work for pro-family policy and state legislators. And just like with any ministry, once you really get infiltrated into a community, you really begin like sowing the word. You mm. you go where the Bible ends up and where God ends up leading you. Yeah. So we've evolved well beyond just working in the realm of policy, but that was the original roots. As mm. we know, family is the infrastructure to any society. Yes. James Dobson gave his life to the institution of the family. And he wanted to see state laws reflect that and the full complexity of focus on the family's work.
1: Yeah, and I would say in scripture, God has instituted and ordained two institutions. Mm -hmm. It is the family and the church. And so to see that just come through so clearly, the the family structure and and the need for that to be maintained from a biblical worldview is really important. That's good. And then a part of the family leader comes underneath that is the Church Ambassador Network. I first met you guys Go, we're about to go to the state capitol, about to take me to go pray with representatives. Uh, share about the Church Ambassador Network. I, I love what's going on there.
0: Definitely. Yes, um, within the family leader, like Greg mentioned, uh, we have uh, two, two different uh, departments that work together uh, in many ways, but they're separate in many ways as well. We have the elections and policy team where they work directly with policy, uh, in, the, in the lobby at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, the other side where we work uh, with the churches and the uh, governing authorities, building the relationship between the shepherd uh, of the church with the shepherd of government. Uh, we, when we think about governing authorities, they are overseeing so many people looking for their, their own uh, good, trying to do good for the community. So um, the shepherd of the church is, is looking to shepherd that, that community as well they had a lot of things in common right. so we, we want to um, bring them together to a place where in their relationship uh, of course the shepherd of the church can share the gospel and can encourage them as a person uh, point to them as a person every elected official behind of their title they're just a person they have family right. uh, they struggle uh, they have challenges we want to be there for them we want the, uh, the shepherd of the church to be there for them support them mm-hmm. and and uh, and on the other side, they're also a shepherd. They hold a very uh, a high position, a, a leadership, a position of leadership and shepherding. And in that position, there's a lot of responsibilities right. and, and struggles. And they're limited, just like all of us. Right. So once that uh, our desire is to bring those two uh, institutions together uh, and bring those these two shepherds together, uh, with the goal of uh, one pointing to them. As a, as a person, as a shepherd, as well, encourage them with uh, instructions on leadership, on God's wisdom. Um, there, um, yeah.
1: So, Greg, you you've you've used the story of Joseph and Pharaoh. Yeah. Could you share that? Because I found that to be a helpful biblical picture of this relationship between these different shepherds. What's going on?
2: Yeah. So, the Bible says that God instituted government. Yeah. And its government is God's servant for your good. So Pharaoh, Old Testament, the historical um, story is recorded, was the head of the government for Egypt. Mm-hmm. And yep. Egypt, uh, we can't think about Egypt today. It's a significant country in Africa, but it's not a global superpower today. Right. At this time period, Egypt would be equivalent to what the United States of America is today the American economy hurts today, it impacts the entire world. Right, right. So during this time period, as we enter this story, if anything happened to Egypt's economy, the whole world would feel it. Mm. And uh, what God reveals to Pharaoh is very limited information, but God reveals something's going to happen to this Egyptian empire. Yeah. And then he gives the rest of the information to a man in prison Mm. named Joseph. Yes. He didn't give it to the number two, to Pharaoh. He didn't give it to someone in Pharaoh's army, not even someone in the bureaucracy, but someone in prison. And what's remarkable in this story is that Joseph eventually receives an audience. This prisoner
1: Hmm. receives
2: an audience with the most powerful man in the world.
1: Um, I mean, modern times, can you even imagine that?
2: And there's no Mm -hmm. person equivalent today. The president of the United States only carries about one quarter of the power that Pharaoh
1: had. Interesting. I never thought of it like that.
2: And you think about the United States today, you think about U.S. Congress, the United States Supreme Court, the presidency, all of that was held by one person. One man held it all. And Joseph brings more reality to what's coming to Egypt. He explains this great famine that is coming, how exactly it's going to look. But most importantly, Joseph brought the solution. Mm-hmm. And we look at the world today, we see modern-day famines, oh, right. and modern-day struggles in our cities. Pharaoh today has a limited understanding of that. But the Lord's people have a deeper understanding. The reason why what separates the Lord's people, what separated Joseph is people of the Lord understand that people are physical. And spiritual beings. Yes, that's right. And Pharaoh on his own could only see a physical person. That's why yep. God couldn't reveal everything to him. Right. Pharaoh couldn't understand it. But Joseph saw the person as a whole. And what's remarkable is these two together would spare the known world from hunger. Mm-hmm. Without Joseph, Pharaoh would not have known what to do. Without Pharaoh, Joseph would not have had one Ounce of authority right. to carry that vision out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: So we look at today how do we find our modern-day Josephs, people in God's church that have found solutions to break in bondage in their cities. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're reaching a hundred, maybe a thousand people. How do we bring them to our modern day pharaohs to take what they learned to bring it to millions? Yeah. And that is the power of these two institutions. God designed the king to be a shepherd of, it, of the people. So we look at Iowa today, Governor Kim Reynolds, the state legislature and the Iowa Supreme Court, were all designed to be shepherds of the people of Iowa. Yeah. The nice thing in the, the old times when you had a monarch, you only had to convince one person.. Mm-hmm. The bad side to that was when they didn't agree with you. right, right because <laughs> right, you're right. just there's nowhere else to go. But in Iowa, we have to convince 158 people, one governor, seven judges, and 150 legislators.
1: So what you've done in talking about Joseph and applying it to uh, our modern day times is that using the Word of God to help us to think well, we we use the word worldview all the time, Mm -hmm. a biblical worldview to help us navigate politics and religion and faith and government. Just share a moment, the importance of the Word of God in this ministry to help us think well about this intersection of the two?
2: Yeah, so we made a commitment to the Lord ever since we started. So the Church in Network is eight years old now, that any meeting that God would give us with any governing authority, regardless of the political party they're affiliated with, we will bring the Word of God and we'll close the meeting in prayer. Mm-hmm. And to this day, we have honored that in every single meeting. And and here's the key belief to that. We believe transformation happens as people see Christ accurately and rightly value him. And for our governing authorities, if we just come in and say you should vote this way on this piece of legislation of your legislator or the governor, you should approach foster care this way, we've only brought behavior modification. Yeah. And behavior modification never equals transformation.
1: Correct. And
2: religion can do behavior modification all you want, but it falls short every time. Fact check, true. We want to get into the heart of the governing authority, what guides them as they make decisions. And the ultimate thing we have to do is we have to bring Christ into their hearts. Because this is what's remarkable. We know Jesus is the head of the church. We are the church. We, We get that well. We understand we don't always factor him in as much as we should, but we know it. Right. But what we forget is Jesus is also the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. David is, he is from the throne of David. He is the perfect king. So do you think as pastors or any form of a shepherd in the church, we're supposed to look to Jesus as our primary example, how to pastor? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? Uh The same is true for our governing authorities. If you want to know what it actually looks like to be a righteous and gracious king, Hmm. you look to Jesus. Right. And we feel the most important thing we can do is point them to that chief example with the goal of transformation in their hearts. And how do we do that? How does God reveal himself here? It's through his word. Yeah. The word yeah. is full of examples of Christ in the Old and New Testament. There's mm-hmm. so many lessons from the Old Testament to help us understand Christ. Mm. And we want to bring that to life. So we bring scripture verses, we... We're not doing the basic teaching. We're not up there to teach theology. We are up there to show them who Jesus is and how he's relevant to their position. Mm. And the goal is that as Jesus transforms if so they're not already in a local church, to plug him into one that can develop him comprehensively as a disciple of Christ. Mm. But we want them to see the timeless truths of the Bible right. and yeah. how the words that Moses spoke to Pharaoh are just as relevant today as they were thousands of years ago.
1: Yeah, that's good. So many thoughts, man. Um, first, you you had said that God instituted um, governments, which I agree upon. And the, But there's a distinguishing difference between how they were instituted. So, for example, yeah. you know, God's very clear about the structure of family mm-hmm. and the church. Yeah. I think you read the New Testament in particular. You can go back to Genesis 1 for family and marriage. That's very clear. With, with, with government, God institutes government. There's many different kinds of governments, mm-hmm. right? You know, in America, we practice a constitutional republic um, we, we have democracy you can go to you know, russia and it's gonna be very different they have a quote democracy um end quote And you go to a place like north korea or whatever uh, how does, how would a family leader exist in any kind of context you know what i'm saying yeah. how would that even look you know it's a kind of a i'm asking a question maybe you don't have an answer to but can you practice these principles no matter where you go
2: oh i've um I want to do this in other countries. Oh. Our God's an international God. Amen. Definitely, He knows no boundaries. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And what we've done in the United States of America, so this is where the Bible's tricky for Americans, <laughs> is every single example in the Bible is a monarchy. That's right. There is no example of a constitutional republic. It's the reason why we don't know how to handle ourselves when elections come, <laughs> the Apostle Paul didn't teach us about elections. He didn't have to. Yeah, when right. Caesar ruled, Caesar ruled, whether you liked him or yeah, not. Exactly. He was just the Caesar. But... In America, all we did here, we just took who's the king, because the king is the historical shepherd of government. Yeah. We talk about the king a lot in here. And today, the king's still here. He's just more than one person today. he's right. so
1: kind of been flattened. The authority's been flattened. That's
2: right. And any country in the world, you just got to look at the powers of the king and ask who holds them. The king had six primary powers in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And you see it right here in Oncosteus Republic king made laws that's right state legislature does that yep. today in the u.s congress the king was the ceo of government the president the governor hold that the king commands armies the president and the governor holds that paul appealed to caesar why because caesar was the highest court in the land you ain't appealing anywhere after caesar today that's the united states supreme court mm-hmm. um, the king was the head of state the example of the country i look at the book of um Jonah the king of Nineveh by right. example led repentance he didn't write a law right he didn't he did send it. his armies into people's homes and say repent Yes, right he led by example that's the head of state that's the president of the United States that's why he's on our money but for our good friends in Canada it's the queen of England
1: right yeah
2: and then the last one sovereign who ultimately owns the government historically one person today our it's constitution yeah. tells you we the people, we the people. that's right you just have to, any country in the world, you can take that civic exercise and find out who it is. Mm, and that is who you administer like we are doing here, too.
1: That is a great way to lay it out in terms of the six different areas. Uh, Leo, question. And then it's actually, I'm going to pose this to both of you, we begin with yeah. you, Leo. There's, there's naturally going to be tension that exists as religion or faith intersect with politics and government. Mm-hmm. Can you... Can you um, share what some of those tensions are that that exist in this in this world? Because I'm, I'm sure you've experienced it over the years being a family leader. Oh yes. Uh, ex- I can give examples if they're appropriate, or just kind of express? Yeah. What, what are these tensions at? These tension points.
0: Right. Um, when, we, when we when we think about uh, the issues that rise up in our culture, um, the, the way that we lead lead out in the conversation sometimes is um, uh, we lead out we lead out sometimes um, bringing up issues where we uh, we disagree on mm-hmm. and uh, the way that we approach sometimes is it lacks grace we're bringing sometimes the truth at least in, in, my, in my personal experience when, when when we bring up conversations on different issues or social issues or uh when we bring god into a political conversation bring god into a social issue oftentimes the way that we do is uh, with without grace mm-hmm. uh, and we start with the places in the places where we disagree on yeah um i love a passage in ecclesiastes 3 11 um, it's chapter three, but it says that God has placed eternity in the in our hearts yeah. and we all long for that place where we can find uh, the freedom, the affirmation, the love, and in some way or another, everyone is longing for that place. of course, the route that we take is is so different, and we are our vision is blurred by sin, we can see things clearly. Um, but in, in deep in people, human's heart, is they long for the relationship with God. Yeah, and I think sometimes when we engage in those conversations, the tension happens a lot because of the way that we come about. That's right. The way that we engage. That's right.
1: That's so important. Like the way you engage, tone, um, mm-hmm. your mo- motive. Right? Are we reflecting Christ? Even if you have a, a pa- uh, issue you are passionate about, say we're all pro life, right?
0: Exactly. And.
1: Uh, you're exactly right. It, any other tensions, Greg?
0: Yeah,
2: so what we say regularly, Sean, is we're nonpartisan in a hyper-partisan world. <laughs> okay, explain and that. It's, um, that
1: was one of my questions. How do you remain bipartisan? Yeah.
2: So, um, and I want to apply to this how this lives out. How do you witness to nonpartisan? So there's partisan, which means you're allegiant to one political party.
1: Yeah, Democrat, Republican. That's yeah, right. Yeah.
2: And uh, we are in a two-party system largely in America. And then bipartisan means... You're allegiant to both. Right. We are not bipartisan. We're not partisan. We're nonpartisan. Nonpartisan means you're allegiant to none. That's good. We go to something from our allegiances to outside this entire system. As Christians, we shouldn't be illegal to any worldly system. Right, So right. something we talk about regularly here is politics is the earth's game to do government. Mm. We're into civics. Our God is into governance, but he's not into politics. Mm. And governance is a blessing to people. Politics is often mankind's fallen way to govern. And I look at the world today. We're, we're, we are complicated people. We are made in <laughs> God's image. There's a bit of righteousness in us. Yeah. But we're corrupt and fallen in a sinful nature. That's right, Romans 3.23. And, yeah. and you got this tension in us. And what often happens is the, the devil, he's a scumbag. Yeah. He, um, he doesn't just have one lie. He has and millions many, of lies. Yeah. And we as people are like rats. He doesn't have to be omnipresent. We just spread it around and do all the right, hard work right. for him. But, but I look at government, and I, and I see a complexity of God in government. This is God's complexity. God is just, and he is merciful 100% all the time. Mm. Think about that. When he's being just, he's fully merciful at the same time.
1: That's right.
2: He's not 50-50.
1: And you can't separate the two, you which can't. so They're often we try 20. to do.
2: And what so often happens in government is we try to separate them. And when they get separated, they have actually formed two political parties. Yeah. We have one party, Republicans tend to relate a lot more to the God of justice. Mm. So you come with justice issues, like you mentioned abortion. Right. There is a righteous anger that emerges and we want to punish it. But then we have this whole other component to God, mercy. mercy. Yeah. Democrats tend to relate a lot better with the God of mercy.
1: So, so right now, there's a conversation about empathy, you know.
2: Exactly and right. They, they yeah. see fallenness. They mm-hmm. see poverty. And what I know about poverty, it's not as simple as pulling yourself up by the bootstraps.
1: That, that's exactly right. Bondage
2: is really as Christians, we should never, ever, Ever believe in pull yourself up by the bootstraps theology? Why? It undermines the entire gospel. 100%. Jesus says you can't pull yourself yeah. up by your That's bootstraps. You You're doomed. <laughs> you need a savior. So why do we apply that to economics? Like yeah. it's not that simple. So Democrats look and they see what's causing this. Yeah. But what ends up happening is because they don't talk to each other, talking we past are each other. Missing the complexity of God. Yeah. So how, we look at this, like how do we take Republicans, start with them with the God of justice and introduce them to the God of mercy? Yeah. How do we take a Democrat, meet them at the God of mercy and introduce them to the God of justice? Because Jesus' cross is a symbol of both. If God wasn't just, Jesus didn't have to die. Mm-hmm. He could have just forgiven our sins. Mm-hmm. But if God wasn't merciful, Jesus didn't have to die. That's he right. could have just punished us That's right. for our sins. But God is both. And the arena of government is one of the many institutions that he has revealed himself through. And righteous law reveals that complex, just, and, and merciful character of God.
1: Mm. I appreciate this language of nonpartisan. I find that to be really helpful and, and even for myself, thinking mm-hmm. about politics and just being a Christian and a pastor and yeah. what do you do with that. I, I find that really helpful, and I hope folks who are listening find that helpful as well. Let's talk about a little bit about legislation and, and some of the impact you're trying to make on legislation that matters to God. Mm-hmm. Here's, one of the, here's one of the frustrations I have with circles that I run in, is that everything that is trying to be pushed from a am more conservative—is um, pushed from a more of a constitutional perspective, and then the Bible gets kind of wrapped in. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a stark example. Like I said, Or pro-life. Why? Because we read Psalm 139. We read, uh, you know, Genesis 1 verses 26-27. You go to Jeremiah 1. You know, God knew about Jeremiah before he was even born, right? So, it speaks to personhood for me. You go to Ephesians 1. We can talk about how God has predestined, you know, and so we can Mm -hmm. go on and on about why we're pro-life from Scripture. But there's other topics that kind of get folded in, and it's on both sides of the aisle here for various reasons that aren't exactly biblical in my opinion, but they get kind of thrown around. So, like, I'm a big Second Amendment guy, you know, talked about that earlier. But I don't know if that would be a biblical issue for me. You know, is it my right to own a gun? Well, I can look at the Constitution for, yeah. for certain, you know. I'm, I'm, I'll champion that. I appreciate that. But I can't say that the Bible says it's my right to bear a gun. How do you, how do you uh, go about in that tension, you know, when it comes to pushing legislation that matters to God? You may disagree with me on the the Second Amendment stuff, so I don't know, but I'm just giving my opinion.
2: So you call this cornfield theology. (laughs) My hunch, Sean, is you're good friends with some pastors that don't completely theologically agree with
1: you. 100%.
2: And you guys are reading the same Bible and you're thoroughly studying it. That's exactly right. You've come to some very different conclusions. But I'm right, right? That's what everyone likes to think, (laughs) right? But there are some things it's like, no, the Bible's crystal clear. And like, that's where we agree. Yeah. So Jesus' soul means a salvation. Mm. Say by grace alone, Like the Bible couldn't get any more yeah, Ephesians clear 2-8. Yep. on those, right? That same applies in government. There's some things that God's word is just clear as day on. Mm. But those other things are significantly more complex. Yeah. That I think there is room to agree to disagree and have a spirit of iron sharpening iron. And this is why partisanship is so dangerous. Partisanship forces you into a camp. And it never allows iron sharpening iron to take place. Mm, that's right. And we want a culture. I, I look at things like mental health, the foster care crisis that we are in, the breakdowns of the family. We have got to create a culture where Democrats and Republicans can listen to one another. And one of the biggest travesties we have is as America's gotten more politicized and polarized is that it's not polarized In your community your community tends to vote one way Mm -hmm. so if you look at America right now rural areas tend to vote heavily Republican and urban centers tend to vote heavily Democrat so let's say we're working on education policy together Sean I'm a rural Republican and you're an urban Democrat how our government works is you would go to what they call your caucus so you would go sit with all your other urban Democrat friends and you would make an education policy I would go and sit with all my ur- my rural Republican friends and make an education policy. But I would never talk to you and you would never talk to me. Yeah,
1: so, which work? means
2: you are expected to make an education policy without ever once factoring in rural Iowans. I'm expected to make one without ever factoring in urban education. And how we work here in the Church Ambassador Network, we refuse to bow to the world's rules. Yeah. Like, no, that is unacceptable. You need to talk to each other. No legislator from Earlham, where I grew up, you don't know about Des Moines Public Schools. Mm-hmm. You need to go talk to that legislator right. from Des Moines, and I'm sorry they're from a different political party. Mm-hmm. But you've got to learn to have that dialogue. I think that's the beauty of the church coming in here, is that the church, if it's truly a nonpartisan, outside-this-kingdom voice, it should be bringing solutions to not only the community issues, but even this partisan gridlock, which is really hindering the state of Iowa from serving all Iowans? So this is,
1: this isn't much about being a Republican Democrat, liberal or conservative. This is about am I willing to not, not forego what you believe, but willing to come together at the table and talk through things that we lack nuance, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> things that are very nuanced. You keep using the word complicated. Um, yeah, that's true. And we got to sit down and ha- stop talking past each other, which is so often the case mm-hmm and start talking to one another to find solutions to real and actual problems. Um, I, I just think we need, as a church, we tie this back into what's going mm. on in the church. We've got to model that. We do. I mean, you could take, about the, you can take the cultural issues that are going on right now, whether it's vaccines and masks and stuff like that. Can we model talking to one another instead sort of past one another? Mm-hmm. And, and, and see that hopefully that can happen in our government spheres as well. I mean, the church has a great opportunity, in my opinion, to kind of step up and lead the way in a a culture that is very broken and divided. And Yet, how can we remain united and model that for others? You might not believe what I believe about matters of faith, but I think we all could use a little more unity these days (laughs) (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of disunity. Uh, Story time. Guys, what are your favorite stories since being at The Family Leader? I know you guys have both shared stories uh, that you've loved, loved, just like this is what God's doing in government. Any stories that kind of come to mind that you're able able to share? I know some things can be private.
2: Well, why don't you start.
0: Yeah. Well, a story that stands out to me the most is um, uh, when um, Greg and the needs were able to meet with the executive branch, and yeah. um, and they they were able to to just pray with them, but listen from them what the needs were in that um, um, in the state at the moment and uh, one of the, um, the head of the departments or in the leadership shared just the burden of um, um, the foster care system, of yeah. being extremely um, overwhelming to carry that on your own shoulders. Um, and th- that really stood out to me uh, in that story, that the fact that they actually carry a lot of burden on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's actually people in the system, there's actually people, not just in foster care, but there's so many other issues in our, in our state that uh, elected officials, they actually carry that on their shoulders. Mm. They, they think about those issues. Um, and regardless if they go about fixing them the way that we would go about fixing them, they all carry the burden of seeing people broken yeah. and they want to see them restored. Mm. Kind of connecting back to Ecclesiastes. In case you throw this picture, they long for the better place. Um, and they lack the tools, the wisdom to get that oftentimes. Uh, So that story uh, stood out to me a lot. And just being able to church ambassador network to come alongside that elected official governing authority uh, to meet that need uh, and and being able to do that even uh, three years, uh, in the last three years, being able to do that, coming alongside and look for preventive foster foster care ministries, foster care ministries that can actually help meet those needs in the state Mm -hmm. and glorify Christ through meeting those needs uh, and, and building more relationships between the church and, and the community. As yeah, the church yeah. are inviting kids into their homes, as the families are connecting with other families that need help, you know, it's, these are all opportunities to share the gospel. And, and seeing that we, we, we can do more than praying for them, uh, yeah. we can actually help. It's with tangible, uh,
1: practical help you can provide. Bring
0: them. alongside, encourage, support. Uh, bring God's word. Uh, what does God say about uh, fatherlessness? Yeah. What does God say about abandonment? Man, like, you know, think about Christ. He went through all of those issues. He 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 suffered everything that you know that we can even imagine. Uh, you think about Christ being uh, on the cross, and he says, "Father, Father, uh, like, like my Father, why do you you know turn your face from me?" Like you know, he actually yeah. felt the separation. So bringing the gospel into those issues in a way where we can we can, we can bring uh, speaking to the spiritual being like Greg said and the physical being uh, bringing that to elected officials it's uh, for me is um, it's potentializing the the uh, what the church can do like you know josephine and Cal- uh, Pharaoh is really uh, bringing that uh, in, 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 in putting that on display yeah. for the governing authorities and hopefully throughout the whole state so that's one of my favorite stories uh, when we heard that from elected officials, and being able to come alongside them to meet the needs, proclaim Christ, share the gospel, and, and, and share wisdom from the scripture with yeah. them has been um, really helpful to my... So, I, I think it grew a lot of my faith just working through that, um, and grew a lot of in compassion too. Yeah. For any elected official, depend it doesn't matter which party they are from, uh, but just knowing that they're longing for the same place and they're trying to, they, they spend a lot of hours working, yeah, you know, absolutely. serving. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that in Church Ambassador Network, to come alongside them. Yeah, We,
1: we oftentimes um, will disconnect the spiritual from the physical. So the fact that both of you are kind of honing in on that is really mm-hmm. important. You have some Christians out there who are like, you know, it's all going to burn anyway, so I'm going to go to heaven. That's not the right attitude. It's actually, if you go back to Genesis, you're called to be a good steward over you right. know, what God has given you. And you can't separate uh, the physical from the spiritual. If it is physical, there is a spiritual element to it because God has created it, Mm -hmm. whether it's a human being or something that we're called to steward over. And so the fact that you're dialing in and saying, no, there's a holistic view here that we need to have is is really significant. And I appreciate that you guys have both brought that out. All right, go ahead. Moving on
2: that too, Sean, we are ambassadors of a different kingdom. That's right. And this kingdom... God has a gospel story to tell, right? Mm. And this gospel, this good news, is a story of redemption, reconciliation, Mm. and restoration. Restoration. And as Christians in this world, we want to be ambassadors of this kingdom. We need to bring that kingdom culture into this world Mm. and share with them, what is this heaven? Who is this God? Mm -hmm. That means in our lives, there should be tangible fruit of reconciliation, restoration. redemption Mm. and pulling people into Christ and I just think like in our communities they should taste that if a church building is there it should taste kingdom principles there and and I just think of the Terry Branstad when he was the ambassador to China that's right if he did not bring an American cultural component he not only failed the United States of America as its ambassador he failed the people of China too. the people of China were dependent on him bringing that And the same thing is here is true for us. God didn't just call us back to heaven. Mm. He says, I want you to be my ambassadors. And we're failing the people of the world if we fail to bring the components of his kingdom. And that's what's rooted in that nonpartisan. We're not bringing the world's culture. Mm. We're bringing a kingdom culture. And let us talk to you about our king.
1: Can I ask you guys a question? Do you use terms like conservative or liberal to describe yourself? How do you think about yourself? If you're nonpartisan, how do you go about saying, hey, you know, what are you, where are you at you know on mm-hmm. politics yeah what do you do what do you, what do you say
2: um i've personally have committed to never use the words conservative liberal republican or democrat okay as why as an adjective yep that's fair and, and the reason being is god doesn't fit that nicely in a box I, I appreciate and that. the more i've come to know christ the more complicated my political belief system is okay i have found in the sanctification process i don't have a home anymore and I like that. I used to be obsessed with partisan politics. Mm-hmm. I gave my life to one of these political parties. And it really was my God. And I thought I could bring salvation just that this one party ruled everything. Yeah. But the longer, and what's helped a lot too is this being in this unique ministry position. You meet so many people from both sides that it, it has a big impact on you. Yeah. And yeah. you see what's largely pushing them in their own hearts to do this. I mean, people aren't, Civic service in Iowa, you're not in it for the money. Our state legislators make $25,000 a year. Yeah, a
1: part they're of not the here job.
2: for money. I mean, they're truly here to serve people. The governor of Iowa isn't a six figure, multi million dollar salary. Even the president of the United States, as much as people love to complain about the president, $400,000 uh-huh. a drop in the bucket for what that man has to carry every oh, day. Yeah, right. there, there is a genuine heart to serve in all of them. And in our hearts, mm-hmm. we want to tap into that heart of service and really. Bring that out and bring in the scriptures as we're doing it, because Jesus was the ultimate servant. He gave the greatest gift he could give of his life, his physical life, not literally, no, excuse me, not figuratively, but literally. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm obviously way off the question. You well, know, no, well, I'm gonna
1: get back to that question real quick because I appreciate that. That's actually something I want to continue to think about because, like you, I don't feel like I belong into a particular bucket now. I said that I'm conservative, but even in saying that, I can I gotta qualify that like do, a thousand yeah. times. What do you mean exactly. by that? Exactly. Yeah. And it gets really difficult. So I may, may take the Greg Baker approach and go <laughs> nonpartisan yeah. and just call it good. And yeah. I love Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Boy,
2: That's God's right.
0: blessing it. That's, yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, God, um, he he he's conservative. Or he seems to the world conservative. Sometimes God seems very liberal to the world. Yeah. When I think about where you're living, for us here, where you're living, um, the issue at yeah hand. the issue you're handling, yeah. like in a maybe in a communist country, uh, a Christian would be very very liberal. Uh, yeah. You know, just changing a lot of things they have done in so many years. Yeah. Uh, and even like here, different issues that you're speaking to, you can God yeah, exactly what like you said, Greg. Uh, you can't fit God into, into a box. If you do and you try to, you're going to be representing that box or that political yeah. party and not God anymore. Uh, I don't think they, they can go together very well, I'm, unless you explain every every time you mention them. You know.
1: Yeah, I, and to that, I'm all about unhitching the church from any political party.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, politicians are going to try to use particular groups for their own gain, yeah, and course. I get that. But as a church, let's let's not fall prey to that. Let's not let them hitch the wagon, at least to my wagon personally, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know uh, because we are first and foremost, as you said, greatly and eloquently. or are Yeah. First and foremost, I'm a Christian before whatever box I check when I get to the poll. And that's that's primary. Even before I'm a pastor, right? That's right. So many pastors forget that. You're you're a Christian before you're a pastor, Amen. a husband, yeah. a father, wherever you work at, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you shared a story. You got any stories to share, Greg?
2: I have a lot of stories. I know you but do. But I want to choose... Um, <laughs> A very powerful one that has impacted my life, and he's since passed away, so I can share it. Okay. Um, it's about Chief Justice Mark Cady. who's the Chief Justice yep. of the Iowa Supreme Court. And this culture war that um, has been raging in America, I'd say since its beginning, but the, the modern one we're talking about
1: yeah, since yeah.
2: the 70s, right? He'd be public enemy number one. Mm. Um, Mark Cady was a part of the, one of the original opinions in Iowa that brought gay marriage here in 2009. Mark Cady wrote um, the opinion that overturned uh, Iowa's um, 24-hour waiting period that led to a constitutional recognition of abortion in the Mm -hmm. Iowa Constitution. Um, He made some pretty big rulings on some very controversial legislation. And he'd be one easy to look at saying that that man's not open to the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. We prayed because we've committed to meet with everyone. We prayed for four years that God would grant us a meeting with Chief Justice Mark Cady, mm-hmm. and he did. He granted us a meeting, and um, the first meeting, we listened to him for 55 minutes. He was nervous, understandably so. Just um, why does this group of pastors want to meet with me? And I, <laughs> I he was so nervous. We what are to, you doing here? But we wanted to be so gracious to him. Yeah and he just gave us an education on iowa's judicial history and the last five minutes we we spent in prayer with him and we talked to him so i'd love to meet with you again he was open to it but his assistant told us two years at best to get back in the chief justice's schedule so we knew we were going to do a relationship two years is impossible yeah um so we we prayed and um six months later we had the opportunity to meet with chief justice katie again and um this time he wasn't as nervous he was more comfortable he only spoke for five minutes then we spent 20 minutes in the scriptures together Mm. and really talked about justice and the gospel and how the gospel if it applies to anyone's life it applies to his i mean no one sees fallenness of people more than a judge does i mean judges see people in their worst days yeah and we really made a lot of progress with him in the juvenile justice system. And uh, we left that meeting, and I just thought, man, had we came in and been abrasive with him from day one, we would have completely missed this meeting. Right. Yeah. And then we were scheduled to meet with him again six months later. He died of a massive heart attack one month before that meeting. Mm. And I'm so thankful that God allowed us to build a relationship with Mark Katie And we had those two meetings, but we kept running into them at the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, The Lord really Providentially or coincidentally? (laughs) No, that's providence. The Lord Lord is so good. And I I remember him saying there's something that we really have applied here into our model of partnering with the state to break bondage. Justice Katie always said that um, some people need to be incarcerated and some people need to be helped. And we need to factor that in. And I think about a world today God is calling people unto him. And there are some that generally want to change and they're open to the gospel. Yeah. How do we work with those individuals to truly break bondage that's often gone for generations? And I thought, here's this man as a chief justice that is at his heart. Um, we need to echo that heart. And I think if we kept that original traditional model, we never would have gotten to know him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was significantly more open to the kingdom of God than people ever would have thought. What I've learned from day one in this, that letter, that political affiliation that they always put after our politicians' names means absolutely nothing to whether or not you're open to the kingdom.
1: Is is God looking at that letter? Not at all. That's right.
2: We have found people who are Republican that are close to the kingdom of God. And we've seen people that are Democrat that are open to the kingdom of God. We've found it is so much more deeper and individual than that. And it's, uh, it's been one of the most rewarding things. I think people would be absolutely amazed who's open and, quite frankly, who's closed.
1: Yeah. When I was at the Capitol with you guys, I was so grateful to be able to pray with uh, representatives on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And to talk with them, you know, just, you know, ask me good questions about who am I, where am I at, and all that kind of stuff, and, and just to pray. And it's, mm. it's amazing to see how God has used... The family leader. I um, you know we talked about Dan- we didn't talk about Daniel Impact, uh, the ch- Church Ambassador Network, uh, for Kingdom purposes. It's mm-hmm. about the the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. We we uh, last year went through the Book of Acts. Yeah. And you just see what God is <laughs> up to, yeah. you know, and the, whole, the Holy Spirit empowering uh, the church to go forth and to proclaim and to preach and to care spiritual and physical needs. Right. And this intersection of of government and and faith is really important for us to grasp. And you guys have helped me a tremendous Mm -hmm. amount, even in this conversation here, Leo and Greg, about how to think well about my response um, as a Christian, as a pastor, and hopefully as people are listening, their response as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, In closing, guys, um, talk about what's in the future for the Church Ambassador Network what hopes and dreams and plans do you have? I know that you're trying to take this to different states. I know there's some mm-hmm. states here have already yeah. kind of, I don't know if the word is adopted or take yeah. on this particular yeah. uh, model. Uh, what's what's in the future for you?
2: So we hope someday all 50 states.
1: How many states are you in now?
2: We're in 14.
1: 14, okay. Uh,
2: Nebraska and Delaware being our recent additions. Uh,
1: you want to invite Nebraska into this as an Iowa mm-hmm. fan?
2: I know. <laughs> Even Cornhusker <laughs> fans need Jesus. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's um, I'm actually a fifth-generation Nebraskan, but I've been here since I was seven. Okay. So it's actually been quite <laughs> a bit of fun to do Nebraska. Um, but a big part that's really on our heart is God's really opened doors with the executive branch. We spend a lot of time talking policy. And right. government, um, the legislator makes policy. It's like the board of a company. The executive branch is like the team of a company. It's the one that carries out the day-to-day lives. And most people's lives are impacted by the executive branch, 20,000 employees. God's given us a lot of favor in this place. And um, I really want to see more and more partnerships like we have with Together for Good to break bondage in our cities and to not do it for an exchange of government money, but to do it for the glory of Christ. We want Christ to be the epist. I want the church to be the solution again. That's right. Can I I mention something?
1: If, If you're listening and you haven't heard of Together for Good, just at your computer at your phone go to your safari your chrome browser and put it in it's a wonderful ministry mm-hmm. that's coming to the state of iowa just had to put that plug in because mm-hmm. I love tfgood.org. tfgood.org greg's got it so bringing the gospel through organizations like together for good breaking addiction right. um seeing brokenness from brokenness there's restoration and beauty uh that's wonderful what else do you have mm-hmm. planned for the future leo
0: yeah yeah we want to the relationships that we are building with uh the ajs department executive branch we want them to last beyond our um, the the governor yeah, uh, that yeah. we have. We have open doors right now, but of course, as uh, we switch governors, as you know, the, the administration changes. There are employees, there are people that worked there, uh, you know, in, for a long time, and we want to build relationships with them, so we can continue those relationships and we can continue to be a voice uh, as the church to those issues and come alongside and meet needs, uh, we want to partner with them. We want to be a resource again. We don't want the church to be absent from all the issues that are going on in this state. Uh, the state. The um, state continues to increase budget and put more money money into all, all those programs to help break bondage. Mm. Um, the, the church needs to step in. The church, uh, we, want, we want to be the, the, the resource for them. We want to serve, we want to serve alongside. We want to feel the burden as well uh, together for the brokenness of our state. We have the hope, we can share the hope. Uh, so we want to uh, continue to build those relationships, and as Greg said, we we our desire is to be um, to continue to multiply our ministry in other places, um, uh, in, in other states, and also uh, throughout the world. Maybe in Brazil someday.
1: Yeah, take it to Brazil, man. Right, that's awesome. I, I can just say I just appreciate you guys' time and, yeah. and helping me and others think through this particular topic. It is a blessing for me just to sit, like I said. Like praying with you guys earlier. Just so thankful for this. Uh, any final thoughts before we kind of sign off here?
2: I, I just appreciate what you said, Sean. Is um, I've been a political nerd as long as I can remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so thankful God's repurposed it for his kingdom. Yeah, amen. I got, I'm uniquely and fearfully wonderfully made, right? <laughs> and um, government he put there, and I'm just so glad that I can use it for eternity that I'm not using it for earthly things that will perish. And something I just really encourage anyone listening to this, change the way you view government. Conform it to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Don't let the news stations form it. That's good. Take on a heart of gratitude. You woke up this morning, and you didn't have to worry about whether or not your government existed. You didn't have to worry about services. Most people in the world don't have that luxury. We must, Christians must show a heart of gratitude for the over 200 years of stability God's given us here. That mm. is rare. It's very and we're rare. actually the oldest government right now in the world.
1: Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. That's that's a, that's a little factoid I'm going to be holding on to. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. uh, Leo, any final thoughts?
0: As you engage with people um, on your at work, and as you think about government, and even think about your governing, uh, governing leaders, I would uh, just encourage... Um, you to think of to think of them with compassion. Yeah. Uh, just remember that as human beings, we're all longing and we all need that hope that we can find in Christ. And if we can find what they truly desire, uh, we can help them together with the gospel. The gospel can take us to the freedom we look for. It can take us to the hope we we look for can take us to the affirmation. Can take us to the new family. Can the, the the gospel can give us eternal life. And those relationships that we love can last forever through the gospel. Mm. And and people are suffering. Uh, so as we engage with people, uh, I would just my, my last word would be just be compassionate. Remember yeah. that we're all looking for that better place. And we hold that that we hold the message that can set people free. That can give that hope to people. Uh, and the way that we go about it will, will make all the difference, the way that we, we share that hope. So that's what I've been learning the last few years, yeah, yeah. and that's what I would encourage people to do.
1: Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to Cornfield Theology. I hope this particular podcast is beneficial for you. Ultimately, we want you to see that this one it turns you to Jesus, ultimately, at the end mm-hmm. of the day. It turns you right. back to the gospel as You think through real issues that exist in our very day, But God has you, Christian, in a place at a particular time to be his ambassador for his glory. So thanks for listening. If you want to check out other podcasts, you go to cornfieldtheology.com. Recently did one on contextualization of the church. Another one on why we are pro-life. Myself and um, a friend of mine from the Twin Cities, pastor up there, did that one. Also, another fascinating one called Moving Toward Biblical Justice with my friend Eric from Urban Philly. That's where Philly met Iowa. Uh, Check that out. We wanted to create gospel solutions or share about gospel solutions regarding issues of justice. And as always, be sure to like, share, give us five stars, and I will podcast all the relevant things on YouTube because there's a thousand things I already mentioned. And if you want to receive a podcast or a blog when it drops, go to cornfieldtheology.com and be sure to put your email in. Thanks everyone. God bless and peace out.